to a brand new edition of Young Gun, the midweek talk through. I'm Dimitri Ravanis, a Bama grad, talking about the Carolina Panthers through the lens of their new quarterback, Bryce Young. I forgot to record this part of the show when I was on with Paul earlier, so you'll see my interview with Paul Feinbaum in just a moment. First, though, I do have to say thank you to everybody at Graffiti. They are the sponsor that makes this show possible, and they are the best place to watch football on Sundays, 19 TVs, 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. Yes, they are a high-end cocktail bar. Yes, they are the bar where you can throw axes, but it is also a unique experience for your football Sunday. Weekly specials on not only bourbon pours, but beers as well, and weekly prizes. So if you have not watched pro football at Graffiti on a Sunday, why not start this week? 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. They support us, so we ask you to please support them. It's Graffiti, Axes, Art, and Spirits in downtown Cary. All right, so my guest this week is Paul Feinbaum, and Paul, this feels very appropriate considering... This is the first time since the 70s we have seen two starting quarterbacks in the NFL from the University of Alabama, and and we'll get into this particular game in a second, but this is very different because I think this is the first time, like in the 70s, you were talking about Namath at the end of his career versus an up-and-coming Kenny Stabler. This is the first time, and granted, Bryce is a rookie, but Tua is very much in his prime right now. This is This is about the future of the NFL. Yeah, and it was so interesting, uh, not to get too deep in the Alabama weeds, but there was a long time that Alabama didn't have a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, right. it, went, it went on for decades. So the fact that uh, you've got Bryce and Tua and Jalen and Tua, it, it's really remarkable. Uh, they could use one of those guys right now. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into that uh, for sure. I, I do want to, though, start by going a little bit deep in the Alabama weeds. I mean, I can I can describe it on the podcast from my point of view, but you have been covering the team for a long, long time. Can you, and talking to fans for a long time. So can you give a little perspective to how the mood of Alabama fans regarding offense has changed since 2014 when Nick Saban decided to open things up? Well, it's very, I mean, they, I mean to say it, Demetri, to say Alabama fans are spoiled would be like, saying uh you know milk is white uh, <laughs> i mean it's uh uh i mean they, they they're spoiled when they're losing uh six straight to auburn uh let alone uh you know having uh what three straight uh or four straight you know nfl starters mm-hmm. as we speak mag jones may be on short time <laughs> um, but i mean there has now i don't i mean usc maybe oklahoma for a couple of years with kyler and baker and jalen but I mean, it's it's and and obviously uh, Caleb Williams briefly and Spencer Rattler, but it, this is really uh, uncharted waters when you think about the, what Alabama's had essentially since fifteen. And one of those starters who's now starting in the NFL, maybe the highest paid player, got got replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurts and Tua, so it, it's really extraordinary. And right now they have a, you know, by Alabama standards, a subpar quarterback uh, who's who's serviceable, uh, but scary to watch at times. Yeah, I've made the argument on this show before that certainly Alabama fans miss Bryce. There is no doubt about that. However, I think that the majority of the fan base is smart enough to recognize just having Bryce back would not solve the team's biggest problems this year, which are the offensive line and and discipline. Yeah, I interviewed Tyler Booker yesterday, who's one of the offensive linemen, and it was was really a tough interview in in the sense that, you know, what do you ask a guy who's part of the problem? Uh, So. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this, this this isn't 60 minutes. Uh, I was trying to be nice. Uh, and yeah, 
I th I think we all, I think a lot of people miscalculated. We we looked at the at the at the beef of that line and said, man, they got they have to be great. Well, they're not. Yeah. Um, and that that would have caused Bryce. Bryce Young had some problems last year, mm -hmm. uh, and you know he where he was running for his life. Uh, and you know they've got good receivers, but they they don't have uh, you know Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith, uh, you know players like that that uh, and Waddle who who were you know all uh, who were just amazing, uh, yeah. all, all really at the same time. And then Jamison Williams and, and Mechie right after that. Uh, so this is a good Alabama team, but it. it and if they somehow get to Atlanta, uh, good for them, and they'll be favored too. But it will be a rocky ride to there. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk about um, because you mentioned that there were times last year Bryce was running for his life when the Panthers drafted him. I made the point that like, look, certainly it is not an embarrassment of riches on the offensive side of the ball like he's used to having in college. But he was asked to be a miracle worker at times last year. Do you look at? Bryce in Charlotte and is there what is missing from Bama Bryce is it as simple as just a, that the NFL is a different animal or is there something else you notice it is uh yesterday uh, I interviewed Derek Brown who's mm -hmm. a defensive lineman for the Panthers and played at Auburn and and I was I just said you were a first rounder a high pick what you know what's it like for Bryce and you could you have to interpret his words but essentially he said this game is, is so fast yeah and you know he, he's not seeing it all and I, I don't think I, I think Bryce deserves a lot of blame. I mean, he's making a fortune. Uh, this is this is a new world. Uh, I'm personally really disappointed with what I've seen. Uh, and and I, a lot of my friends, as you know, I live in Charlotte, uh, are saying we should have taken C.J. Stroud. Uh, well, <laughs> this first round pick is, is not about this year. Yeah, uh, it, it's about the future. And, and I still think Bryce is one of the smartest quarterbacks, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. But but he is developing slow, and and you you have to really wonder, you know, was it a great idea to start him game one? Um, mm -hmm. And you you've got a veteran who you could throw in there right out of bed, and you know give Bryce a chance to you know understand the game. And, and I don't, I, I think he's slowly understanding it, but he hasn't grasped it yet. You know my my argument to that all season has been, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have given him time on the bench to get the the lay of the land. I don't think it addresses the bigger problem, which is the offensive line has not performed right. up to the way it did last year. His pass catchers, clearly there's only two guys he really trusts. They invested a lot of money in Hayden Hurst, who just, man, he's missing blocks, missing catches left and right. And so I'm not saying a year to sit and learn the speed of the NFL would not have benefited Bryce, but I don't think it is as simple as that. What is going on in Charlotte right now? No, and I just don't know why. Well, I mean, this is a crummy team. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to have him out there, uh, you know, developing bad habits, doing things, uh, to me, doesn't make any sense. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story. Last year, we were at the uh, national semifinal on our set on the field, and we were watching C.J. Stroud, and I was sitting next to Tebow. And he, I, I mean, listen, he's a, you know, whether he's a great, a great pro quarterback, Tebow understands a few things about mm -hmm. mechanics. He said he's never seen a quarterback uh, with the touch of, C.J. Stroud. It, it, it made an impression on me. Uh, Bryce has a, an uncanny ability as well, and I think I think the ownership there just simply you know fell in love with his intelligence, and which is great. Uh, but you know he's got he's got he's got to win on the field. But you know I'm a fa I'm a fan, so don't get me started on the ownership of the Panthers. <laughs> hey, listen, that's been the majority of our Tuesday episodes this season. Is what is it like to have to deal with this ownership? Uh, I, I do want to ask you about. 
the significance of not just two Alabama quarterbacks playing each other, but these two Alabama quarterbacks. Like to me, as somebody that grew up rooting for the team, went to school there, still follows the team, obviously. I, I think natural talent, Bryce and Tua are just miles above anything else I've ever seen in Crimson. They are. Uh, and it's and the fact that, you know, they, they kind of passed each other on the way in and out made it even more remarkable. Um, and, and I think everything affects everything else. And, you know, Bryce Young sitting out there in California watching Tua, thinking to himself, you know, do I really want to stay on the West Coast or I want to mm-hmm. head to quarterback you all of a sudden? <laughs> right. so, so I think I think there is an effect. And, uh, but, you know, Tua is, two is uh, stay at Alabama. Uh, it was remarkable for this reason. I mean, I would I would run into retired head coaches and I would say, hey, you know, you coached at Alabama for nine years uh, before becoming head coach. You coached it. I was talking to Pat Dye. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you were around Stabler and Namath and all these great players. He said, he just interrupted me. He said, he said, two is the best player I've ever seen at Alabama. He said, nobody's yeah. coming. And, and then Bryce came along and you could argue in the same in the same conversation. Yeah. Uh, so that's really what uh, th- that was so unique because, you know, I got there uh, at the end of Bear Bryant's Ryan, Ryan Dimitri, and I can't tell you how many bad quarterbacks I covered. I mean, guys that yeah. I don't know how they ever got there, let alone started. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I tell uh, I tell people all the time, I think back to the 99 Tennessee game. And Alabama's starting quarterback at that point was a guy named Andrew Zell, who was yeah. a hell of a passer. And then he got hurt in that game. It was never right. the same after that, like seemed to be afraid to hang on to the ball. And yet he was still the best option for the next year and a half. And I believe he replaced uh, Freddie Kitchens, who uh, was actually better at quarterback than he was as a head coach in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> that he is, wasn't very good at quarterback. That is 100% true. How involved uh, at this point is Nick Saban with those former quarterbacks that are in the NFL now? I mean, it seemed like Tua really took some time with Bryce after the game, and, and Bryce seemed – I don't know if you saw that video, but Bryce seemed really shaken up, and Tua really kind of consoled him. And I wonder if there is any element of that of Nick saying to Tua, hey, you know, we see what's going on with Bryce. He could use – a lifter at this point is his job with those guys done. Uh, I hate to be so cruel here, but it's done. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Nick Saban keeps up with play, but he's not the kind of guy though that I, I knew a I knew a basketball coach once. This was 25, 30, 40 years ago, who on Christmas Eve until the end of Christmas, he literally called every one of his players, uh, and I mean, he wanted to talk to them. He wanted to find out how their kids were. He knew their names. I mean, Nick Saban is is the quintessential professional coach. I mean, I'd be hesitant to call him a mercenary on a public airwave, but that's who he is. Uh, You know, he's, I'm not saying he doesn't care. I'm not saying they don't care about him, but he's got another quarterback to worry about. Yeah. I mean, it it makes total sense. And I think the only reason you don't say mercenary is because he has been at Alabama at what, 17 years at this point. But there is certainly like you think back about the Texas flirtation, the fact that he would have liked to have at some point been the New York Giants head coach, but it keeps coming back to, well, I've already got the foundation laid here. I'd have to do it all over again. I think there is some mercenary, uh, mercenariness, I think, in that personality. I think early on, uh, I don't think he really thought he'd be there for this long. Um, you know, I, I think there was this itching to get back to the NFL. I mean, mm. that was a failure. 
Um, I mean, you can talk, you can, you can talk about the, the Drew Brees versus Dante Culpepper story until you're sick. And, uh, but the, the, the franchise made a mistake, whether it was Nick Saban's decision or not, and he paid for it. Um, but, you know, I, I see, I mean, age helped him as he got older, he realized what, what else am I going to do? Um, he's, he's looked around, uh, the Texas thing, I think intrigued him, but he told me once that uh, he just couldn't deal with all the uh, the cooks in the kitchen. And you know, yeah. Texas isn't two or three people; it's twenty five uh, <laughs> cowboy hat boot kicking guys who all think they own the school. Right. It's uh, it's boosters that not just want their name on the field; it's after a big loss, want to know how much they have to give to get their name off the field. And they're all billionaires too. Yeah, you're right. right. Uh, <laughs> and they can get their name off the field. Right. <laughs> All right. So last question for you, as we wrap up, I wonder when you hear every week, the whoever's calling the game, whoever the color, color commentator is, bring up Bryce's height. What does that do in your mind as somebody that watched this from literally the moment he got recruited to now at Alabama? And you've heard that comment over and over again. I think it's a cop out uh, because the way he plays, uh, yeah, would an inch or two help? But I've I've, I've never seen it matter to him uh, in college, and it's a little hard to tell in pros because uh, when you're running for your life every every play, it doesn't matter whether you're six nine or five eleven. He's not tall. Uh, I mean, I'm maybe five eleven, and I, I was I've been around him, and I think I'm taller than him. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't think that really makes a whole lot of difference uh, in, in the system that he's playing. And now, now the question is, I just said the system he's playing, and I haven't figured out what that system is yet. Uh, <laughs> and I, I give Frank Wright credit, not to get too deep here, but you know, he made a good decision six seven games in to uh, replace himself as the offensive coordinator. So and and the reason why is he, I think otherwise he may have been replaced. Period. Yeah. Uh, so he did such a bad job. Uh, it's not going to change anything, uh, but at least it will look. It's it's one less excuse uh, uh, that he'll have at the end of the season.